Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Noise, Part 2, Solitude, recorded Sunday, March 5th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. The silence is deafening. It's surprising how loud silence can be. As a matter of fact, it's, it's, it's not unusual to say it's almost impossible to get it, to get silence. Many times I've listened to my friends Kent and Joe and Gary and Jim, a bunch of guys that love to go out and spend a weekend or two in a deer stand. And, um, and it's there that they... You know, there's no other man-made structures except theirs, and, you know, it's, it's the whipping of that cold Nebraska fall wind rustling through whatever trees or bushes might be around, and, and, and you know, they tell stories about just how peaceful it is and, and how they decompress from months on end of living in the third city urban jungle, you know, Grand Island. And... Uh, their bodies and their souls, they get fresh air and they get refreshed with their souls. And I want to join them, not in the deer stand. I, that's not my thing, but and it'd, ruin for, it'd ruin it for them too, so I wouldn't do that to them. But, but in some silent, occasional solitude that, you know, that breaks me down and that helps me to reset. And I, I think this is true. I I believe this is true based on Jesus. You need spiritual disciplines that include silence, solitude. So do I. The reason we know it is because Jesus needed it. And if God needed it while he navigated the noise in this world, so do you, so do I, because I'm not a machine and neither are you. We're humans. We are made for rhythms, Rhythms that include both noise and quiet. It's unhealthy to have too much of either one. Like it's unhealthy just to go just crazy noise all the time in your life without any respite from that. And it's unhealthy just to be a, you know, be a hermit hidden away from people for the rest of your life. We need people, but we also need to get alone more than ever before. I just want to read one incident in Jesus' life where we can see how this plays out. I think that he, this is intentional that this is found in this way when it comes to this discussion on solitude. It's Matthew chapter 3, 13, reading through verse 1 of chapter 4. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you come to me? And then Jesus said this, well, let it be so for now. This is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. 
Then, verse 1 of chapter 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, this is a classic example, in my mind, of Jesus coming to be with people because he needed to do this. In this particular public experience, he heard God speak when he was with people. He needed to come to the Jordan River to have this experience with the wilderness revival that many others were experiencing. He needed to be with people who were seeking God like he was seeking to be the God they needed. He needed to reveal himself as the Lamb of God. And that's a whole long story I'd love to teach more on, but not today. He needed to be publicly immersed to set an example for the rest of us and to give us a picture of what his ongoing or upcoming mission would be, which is his own death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. All of that done in connection with a crowd of people. And by the way, when, when Christians gather like we are today, and in other ways too, of course, that's really what we're doing. We are, you know, we are in corporate worship. We're, we're, we're a church that gathers together to hear God speak. And prayerfully that most of the time we're here, because we open up his word, you get something from God, from his voice. Now it says immediately he was led into a deeper, more silent wilderness. He was alone, working out some things in his soul that would prepare him for his next adventure. That adventure would be about a three, three and a half year long process that led him to that cross we talked about earlier. And so Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's what it says in Matthew 4.1. In other situations, it says he went out to a desolate place. He went up on the mountain himself to pray. He was alone. So this was a rhythm that Jesus had. From time to time, he would just get away. And it was oftentimes surprising times, like when the crowds were at their zenith. You know, you think, oh, no, he's at, you need to take advantage of that. Well, he'd say, guys, I've got to get out for a while. So for him, it was a necessity. And, and if it was a necessity for him, my, my conclusion for me and you is it is for us too. It, it just has to happen. Don Whitney says this, one of the costs of technological advancement is a greater temptation to avoid quietness. And so many of us need to realize the addiction we have to noise. Addiction to noise. Can you relate to that? Sometimes I'll catch myself, like I'm driving down the street, I'm, you know, get in to go to work or whatever. I'm driving down the street and like it's quiet and I go, oh, I got to turn on the radio. It's like instinctive. I get some noise in here. You, go, you walk in the door at home and you're there for five minutes. You go, oh, it's kind of quiet in here. Turn on the radio, turn on the television, whatever you do. Because we're addicted to it. But what about being mindful of listening? What, what are the excesses and drawbacks of contemporary life that, that have created this, this din that confuses us from hearing God's voice? We need to address this, this addiction to noise. 
And I think sometimes that means quite simply we got to get away. There's a benefit to be had in just getting away, letting your soul compress, getting out of the loud. You know, if you enjoy nature, of course, that's a way to do that. Letting your soul breathe the same fresh air your body is. But there's nothing distinctively Christian about doing that. Getting away isn't all that it's about. Like, if I've heard it said once, I've heard it said a thousand times, oh, I'm most spiritual on the golf course. I'm like, hey, I've been on a golf course. You got a whole lot of spirituality going on out there. I can tell you that right now. Like, you ever hear those people when they're out there? Like, from any place on the golf course, not a lot of spiritual stuff happening, okay? Unless anger and throwing clubs somehow is like a spiritual activity. I don't know. At least that's my golf. But anyway... You know, or, or, you know, when, when I go fishing with a bunch of dudes on the boat. Well, again, have you ever heard the conversations with dudes on a boat when they're fishing? It's like, or ladies going to the spa or dudes going to the spa. I don't know. Seriously. For those of us who are in Christ, there's more to it than that. It's, it's more to it than just getting away. I'm not opposed to any of those things, by the way, in their own context. Believe me, I'm not. But there's six reasons that Jesus at times chose solitude over people. And I'm just going to throw them out real quick. The first was to prepare for a major task. We've already talked about this. He was baptized and he immediately went into a 40-day period where he prayed in the wilderness and he, and he was alone with, with God. And, uh, and it was important because he was beginning his march to the cross and he needed to be ready for what ministry was going to do to him. And maybe you have something like that coming up, not that you don't have that coming up, I mean, none of us have that coming up, but maybe there's some kind of big thing occurring in your life, like maybe you're, you're, gonna, you're thinking about giving a proposal to someone. I mean, that's a big step. Or it's a, a career change that you're mulling over, or, you know, some kind of educational decision that you want to make. I don't know. Why not set that up? Some people would say this, I need to get away to recharge after I've worked hard. Jesus did this in Mark chapter 6. He sent the 12 disciples out to do ministry. When they returned, he said to them, they wanted to jump right back in because they were so excited about what had happened. He said, no, you guys need to decompress. You need to step back. You need to rest. Jesus got away because of grief. In Matthew chapter 14, it says that his friend John the Baptist, the man who baptized him, and as it's recorded in Matthew chapter 3, that, um, that his friend had died. He had been murdered. And so Jesus withdrew and grieved. Yes, God grieves. Maybe you've experienced some loss in your life. And did you give yourself time to grieve in silence? Someone might say, and I can hear it being said, the last thing I want is silence. Well, it might be the first thing you need is just to get back and say, God, now what? Walk with me. Help me see you. Before making an important decision, Luke chapter 6, early in his ministry, Jesus spent the whole night alone in prayer, and then the next day he chose the 12 disciples. So he set up his choice based on the prayer that he engaged in. He sought solitude. He invited uh, others to be in prayer for that. And he did that in times of distress too. Like for instance, in Luke 22, 
the night before he was crucified. I think most of you know this story. He went into the Garden of Gethsemane after he had uh, shared the supper with his disciples, and then he, he went alone in solitude to pray. It was a very difficult time of prayer for him, and he even asked his friends to engage with him in prayer. And maybe you're in a time of distress or difficulty, and it's time for you to call others in, and I hope they'll do better for you than his friends did. They fell asleep, but pray. And then, of course, when he did this, he did focus on prayer. And in Luke 5, 16, it says this, that many times in Jesus' ministry, he would go alone so he could focus just on prayer. Now, if you're like me, and I don't, I don't say this to be sanctimonious, because believe me, I, I feel like I'm a very weak man when it comes to prayer. But I pray every day. I, I pray with Jackie most every day, maybe more than once. Um, I, I work at a church, so yeah, we have meetings and we always pray and, you know, people call me and I come and we pray and, but there's something about getting away, you know, and, and focusing and getting into resolve and thinking about the initiatives in my life that are important and, and getting some energy from, from, from a, a time to reflect one of the benefits of solitude is to search the depths of your soul and ask what blind spots have moved in and, and taken you out of your mission as a person in life. The busyness, you know, the things that get in the way, you know. Now, here's a question that you might want to ask if you consider how solitude works. That is, what voices should I listen for? And we're going to see this going forward with Jesus, but he heard more than God's voice when he went into the wilderness, didn't he? He heard the voice of temptation too. But when we get alone and we're quiet, sometimes what we hear is our own internal voice, like, like the murmurs of our soul that we would drown out with noise. Like we use noise to ignore what our souls are trying to say to us. And so there might be a value in hearing the voices of others, but I've found that those voices can sometimes be unreliable too. So, like, I have found that people can be accusatory and misleading. And certainly the enemy that we all face, that's his game. He's a liar. So in the silence, the most important voice to hear would be whose? God's, not yours, not someone else's, God's voice. And it's likely not going to be audible. I think people do have those experiences. I've, I've not had one of those, but it can be a less distracted message. It can be just some clarity that comes out of your effort. It can be a sense of purpose that rises up out of your, out of your quiet experience, getting away. It can bring grace can also bring the opposite, by the way, because you want to create a context for enhancing or hearing from God's Word. That means you got to respond back to God in conversation. Silence and solitude kind of greases the skits, kind of like sleep and exercise and proper eating does for healthy living. So, so you know, a direct encounter with God can be that kind of an experience where it gives you some soul, some soul cleansing, some soul priority work. There's dangers, though, 
Jesus found this out when he faced severe temptation. And so the challenge was there, and it's going to be there for you because you have an enemy just like he does, and that enemy always wants you to believe that there is no God, or if there is, he doesn't care about you. There's no care for you. So you need to take care of things yourself. You need to take matters into your own hands. So there's a danger, and I want you to be clear about that. When you seek silence, when you seek solitude, uh, one of the dangers is that we think we should become, you know, that should become the norm. Like there, there are whole societies of people in the history of, of the church where these people just put themselves away from others and built monasteries and, and they, they lived in silence. And that is not God's intention for our lives. I don't care what you say about it. There are disingenuine men or women who make excuses to their wives and try to spin their hobby by saying, well, I just need to get along with God and think at the lake or at the golf course or the duck blind and the spa or the mall or whatever. By the way, if you want, to, if you want some silence, go to the mall. I mean, that's just, it's a good place to get some solitude. But there's nothing wrong with going to any of those places. I'm in favor of all of them in the right context. But there can be too much of a good thing. That's my point. And don't use that as an excuse for spiritual development because that's disingenuous. So silence and solitude are not ideal states. They're like a rhythm that we enter into, and, and we should not be ashamed to do so. The disciplines are advantageous due to the pressures of this present age. And by the way, in the heavenly sense, there will be some silence. In Revelations 8.1, it says that there is sometimes silence in heaven, initiated in the silence of worship. But John in Revelation also teaches us that there will be a lot of vibrant activity and noise and worship in heaven. So it goes both ways. We're going to talk about some of this going forward. But listen, God, God doesn't mean for us to fast too long from human beings. I, I kind of see uh, solitude as a fasting, so to speak, from other people. But, but it's not supposed to be very long. We, we need both. We need people. There's, no, there's nothing in Scripture that leads us to think that we should ever fast from His Word, for instance. In fact, it's for increased engagement with God's Word and prayer that we have solitude, not decreased. So, I, I thought about this, like I knew, you know, of course I knew what I was going to do this week and talk about this topic, and, and I tried to anticipate what somebody might say. So, for instance, you're, you're like, well, Scott, you're telling me that I got to get away for 40 days to be alone in some wide open wilderness and do nothing but fast, pray, and live in silence of my mind? No, I'm not. As a matter of fact, I, I would discourage you from, from doing that for a couple reasons. The first is because though Jesus was a human being doing this, you ain't Jesus, <laughs> okay? And... and you might just end up like in a mountain on Tibet, you know, a mountain in Tibet or something and wearing a robe and clinking bells together if you try it because that's what goofy people do who end up doing that kind of stuff. But, so don't do that. Another thing is that, that uh, if we're given an assignment from God that Jesus has given, that doesn't mean that we do it like Jesus did 
because his assignment was different than ours. He left the carpentry shop after 30 years of being a carpenter. That's all he did. That was his job. And when it was time, he went on his mission to save humanity. That is not your mission. That is not your responsibility. He needed to set that up, and this is important for that reason. So you're, whatever you're doing this for, it probably doesn't have that same level of calling or importance. But I do maintain that we need to have moments of solitude, and the first step might just be to make some room for daily withdrawals. Most of us talk about silence and solitude as some kind of special retreat, like, you know, I got to get away. And, and sure, I, I'm for that. I think there's a good reason to do that. But, but you can have silence and find it every day. Like I have a friend, several friends actually, but one that comes to mind who he gets up like at five in the morning, which I think is insane in itself, but he does it. And he, he has a comfy chair, he's got a table, he's got his Bible, he gets a big cup of coffee, I'm pretty sure, knowing him, and he reads scripture, and he prays, and that's his rhythm, and it's quiet, and it works for him. Now, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm a night guy. I, I actually use silence mainly when I'm exercising, when I walk. I walk every day, I try to anyway, and I spend a period of time in my walking experience normally when I, I listen to God's word, and then I listen to God. And it's as simple as that. And so it's a rhythm, and you have to figure out your rhythm. Maybe you are going to take a special retreat. You know, if, if you're a parent with kids, you're probably like, yeah, good luck with that. However, I did, know, I did hear that, I read this, I don't know if it's true because it was a long time ago, that the Wesley's mother, she had like 12 kids. The Wesley's started the Methodist movement back 300 years ago or something. Anyway, she, she, she lived like in a, in a two-room house with 12 kids. And the only way she could get quiet was to go to the corner of her kitchen, put her skirt over her head, and threaten the kids she's going to kill them if they come over they bother her during quiet time. So I don't think that's how she put it. But. So if she can do it, you can do it. That's all I'm saying. You know, don't use that, you know, I'm too busy. I got kids. Well, figure it out. So get it on your calendar. Find a way to do it. Maybe once or twice a year, you can do one of our retreats that's coming up in the fall for men and women. That's a beautiful place to do a retreat and to get some solitude, Colorado. It's going to be both fellowship and silence. So it's a place you can develop some spiritual habits. What do you do? Well, you pray that God will bring light into your experience. Pray that his spirit will prompt you to see things in yourself that he wants to reveal. But if you're going to hear God speak, there's only one way to do that in my mind, and that is to open the scripture. The Bible is where God speaks. And the degree that your own thoughts align with what God is revealing his word is the degree by which his word is speaking. So don't assume the voices in your head are God's voice. Assume that they are your voice, or even worse, assume they're someone else's voice. That's why we need the Bible, the scriptures. So maybe spend just a few minutes listening to the silence and let your soul begin to thaw out a little bit, especially if you have a busy, crowded schedule. If you have a computer, you can sure take that if you want to take some notes, but I would say turn off the Wi-Fi, turn off the notifications, turn off your cell phone, or at least silence it so it can't bother you. 
Maybe for you, you're going to do some journaling. Get a pen and paper, some kind of a notebook for that. Grab a hold of the important revelations that come out of the experience. And I think if you're like me, I'm a kind of a to-do guy, right? And so I might go to a retreat like that, and I start making a to-do list. So when I come back, I'm going to jump right in. I would say try not to do that. Don't, don't try to come out of that with a list of to-do things. Maybe come back, wrap around back, uh, maybe in a month, you know, a few weeks, and, and look at the notes that you wrote down and see if there's something there that you need to respond to. Pray, of course, guided by the scriptures. Look, we follow the God-man Jesus. Jesus practiced regular rhythms of together with people and alone with God. He did it because he had to have strength to live this life. You may not know how bad you need silence and solitude until you actually get some and you realize how important it is. But let me say this. Time spent in solitude is not time spent alone. Lord, as we commune, this is a time in our service when we kind of break it down and we let your word speak to us about the life-altering soul-altering movement of your son Jesus when he gave his life for us, his body and blood broken and spilt on our behalf to lead to a resurrection from the dead that he experienced so that we could have the promise of resurrection. So may this be a time when we can reflect and find some quiet of the soul and we can celebrate a God who shows us how to live our lives and leads the way. Thank you, Jesus. Henry Nowen once said that silence is the furnace of spiritual transformation. There's something that happens when we get away in the quiet, make space to take a breath, slow down our lives, tune out the noise around us and become aware of who we are, what feelings we have that are disturbing us with inside. And also just the simple fact that the presence of God is with us, that the Holy Spirit is with us. If we are a church, if we've declared allegiance to King Jesus, this is the promise that, that his spirit is here among us. And we just miss it. So often we zoom through our lives just totally unaware of this other world that's happening all around us. This space in which we're invited to convene and connect with God. And that's what this series is all about, trying to become aware of this other reality that's, that's here, that's, that's really here in a way that we just don't really truly grasp in our three-dimensional um, experience of time and space. And so today... We've talked about silence and solitude, and we knew it would be a miss if we didn't actually make space for you to experience silence and solitude, even here in this large group of, of people. Because as Scott said, yeah, sometimes in life it can be hard as a parent, as a, as a worker, as a, as a boss, as a whatever, as a student. 
to get silence, but it is possible. We can connect with God. Paul writes, we should pray without ceasing. And so we want to give you that space right here, right now. And this is going to be a little bit weird than, it's going to be a little weird, a little different than anything you've maybe normally experienced in, in this space. We're going to have total silence. The music's going to come to a stop, come to a rest. No one's going to be speaking. We're just going to take two minutes and we're going to sit here Maybe close our eyes. We might cough. We might drop our, you know, who knows. That's okay. We're just going to experience silence. In this space, you might want to pray. You might want to make requests of God. You may just want to sit here, just like you'd sit with a friend in a car or looking over the mountains or at a lake. Take two minutes. Become aware of God's presence. Become aware of what's going on inside of you. And then we're going to finish up this service with some time and worship together. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.